The War of the Wells by H.G. Wells Chapter 14 in London My younger brother was in London when the Martians fell at Woking. He was a medical student working for the imminent examination. He heard nothing at arrival until Saturday morning. Morning papers on Saturday contained addition of lengthy special articles on the planet Mars, on life in planet in the planets, and so forth. A brief, vaguely worded telegram, all the more striking for its brevity. The Martians, the lion, by the approach of a crowd, had killed a number of people with a quick-firing gun. So, so he ran. The telegram concluded with the words "vulnerable," as they seemed to be Martians have not moved from the pit. Which they have fallen. Indeed, some seem capable of doing so. Progress is due to the relative strength of the Earth's gravity with energy. On their last text, their leader writer expanded very comfortably. Of course, all the students in the Crammer's biological class, to which my brother went that day, were intensely interested, but there were no signs of any unusual excitement in the streets. I've no papers puffed scraps of news under big headlines. They had nothing to tell beyond the movements of troops by the common and the burning of the pine woods between Woking and Weybridge till eight. Then the St. James Gazette, in an extra special edition, announced the bare fact of interruption telegraphic communication. This was thought to be due to the falling of burning pine trees across the line. Nothing more. Fighting was known that night. Night of my own drive to Leatherhead and back. My brother felt no anxiety about us, as he knew about the description in the papers that Senator was a two good miles from my house. He made his mind to run down the night to me in order, so he says, to see the things before they were killed. He dispatched a telegram. He's never reached me. About four o'clock, I sent the evening at a music hall. In London, also, on Saturday night, there was a thunderstorm. I rather reached Waterloo in a cab. On the platform, from which the midnight train usually starts, he learned, after so waiting, that accident prevented trains from reaching Woking that night. The nature of the accident, he could not ascertain. Indeed, the railway authorities did not clearly know at that time. There was very little excitement in the station. The officials falling into real, failing to realise that anything... Further than a breakdown between Byfleet and Wilkins Junction occurred with running the theatre trains, which usually pass through Wilking, round by Virginia Water or Guildford. They are busy making the necessary arrangements to alter the route of Southampton Portsmouth Sunday League excursions. A nocturnal newspaper reporter, mistaken and brother for a traffic manager, to whom he bears a slight resemblance, way lead, tried to interview him. Few people were accepting the railway officials connected the breakdown with the Martians. I read in another account of those these events that on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday morning all London was electrified and renewed from walking. As a matter of fact, with nothing to justify the very extravagant praise. Plenty of Londoners did not hear of the Martians until the panic of Monday morning. Those who did took some time to realise all the hastily worded telegrams and Sunday papers conveyed. The majority of people in London do not read Sunday papers. 
Having personal security, moreover, is so deeply fixed in London's mind that startling intelligence so much a matter of course the papers did not read without any personal tremors. About seven o'clock last night the Martians came out of the cylinder and moving about under an arm of metallic shields have completely wrecked Woking Station with jumped adjacent houses, massacred an entire battalion of the Cardigan Regiment. No details are known. Maximums have been absolutely loose against their armour. The field guns have been disabled by them. Flying as has been galloping to, into Chelsea. The mouse is peeling, moving slowly toward Chelsea, Windsor. Great anxiety prevails in West Surrey, and earthworks are being thrown up to check the advanced Londonwood. There has now, that was how the sunny sun put it, a clever and remarkable prompt handybook article referee compiled the affair to Mandarie that's suddenly let loose in a village. No one London knew positively the nature of the armed Martians, and there was still a fixed idea that these monsters must be sluggish, crawling, creeping painfully. Such expressions occurred in almost all earlier reports. None of the telegrams could have been written by eyewitness of the advance. And the Sunday papers printed in separate editions as further news came to hand, some even in default of it. There was practically nothing more to tell people till late in the afternoon. The authorities gave the press agencies the news in their, position, in their possession. It was stated at People Walton and Wakebridge, and all the district were pouring along the roads, Lundwood, and that was all. My brother went to church at the Fanling Hospital in the morning, still in ignorance of what had happened the previous night. There he, there he had heard of allusions made to the invasion, a special prayer for peace. Coming out, he brought a referee. Come alarmed at the news in, it, in this, went along to Waterloo Road Station to find out the communications restored, omnibuses, carriages, cyclists, innumerable people walking in their best clothes seemed scarcely affected. But strange intelligence, news vendors were dismembering. People were interested or, if alarmed, armed any count of the local residents. Station heard for the first time that Windsor Jersey lines were now interrupted. Porters told him several remarkable telegrams had been received in the morning by both the Chesley stations, but these had been had been abruptly ceased. However, could not could get very little precise detail of them. The fighting going on about Raybridge, the extent of their information. Train service is now very much disorganised. Quite a number of people who have been expecting friends from places on the southwestern network were standing about the station. One great hand man, gentleman, came and abused the southwestern company bitterly to my brother. It wants showing up, he said. One or two trains came in for Richmond, Putney and Kingston, containing people who had gone out for a day's boating, found in lots closed. A feeling of panic in the air. Man in blue and white blazer addressed my brother, full of strange tidings. There's oats of people driving into Kingston and traps and carts and things and boxes, valuables and all that. He said, they come from Mosley and Wadebridge and Morton. They say there have been guns heard at Trinsley, heavy firing and that mounted soldiers. I told them, get off at once because the marshes are coming. We're gun firing at Mahampton Court Station. We thought it was thunder. What dicking does, does it mean? Marshes can't get it. at a pit, can they? My brother could not, could not tell him. Obviously, found a vague feeling of alarm that spread 
the clients of the underground railway, that the sunny excursionists began to return from all the other southwestern Lung, Barnes, Wimbledon, Richmond Park, Kew, and so forth, at naturally early hours. But no other soul had anything more than vague hearsay to tell of. Everyone connected the terminus seemed ill-tempered. About five o'clock, the gathering crowd in station was immensely excited by the opening of a line of communication. It is almost eventually closed. Between southwest, eastern and southwestern stations, the passage of carriage gut trucks bearing huge guns and carriages crammed with soldiers. Their guns were brought up from Woolwich and Chatham to cover Kingston. This is a, there was a strange prejudice. Well, he'll get eaten. We're the beast tamers. And so forth. A little while after that, squatters' police came in the station and began to clear the public off the platforms. And my brother went out to the street again. Church bells were ringing for ever song. A squad of Salvation Army lasses came singing down the Waterloo Road. A bridge and number of loafers were watching a curious burned scum came drifting down the stream in patches. Sun was just setting the clock tower and the houses apartment rose against one of the most peaceful skies possible to imagine. Sky of gold barred with long transverse stripes, reddish purple cloud. There took a floating body. One of the men there, a reservist, he said, he was, told my brother he'd seen a heligraph flickering in the west. It went into the street, my brother met a couple of sturdy roughs been rushed out of Fleet Street with still wet newspapers and staring, darling at Packard's dreadful catastrophe. They pulled one and the other, went to the street, fighting at Weybridge, full description, repulsive Martians, London in danger. He had to give threepence for a copy of that paper. Then it was, then only that, he realised something of full power and terror of these monsters. He learned they were not merely a handful of small, Smuggish creatures, they were minds swaying vast mechanical bodies. They could move swiftly, smite such power that even the mightiest guns could not stand against them. They were described as vast, wide-like machines, they were a hundred feet high, capable of speed, as press train, able to shoot out beam of ten feet. Mars batteries, chiefly of field guns, had been planted in the country between Haswell Common, eventually between Woking District and London. Five machines had been seen moving towards the Thames. One by heavy chance had been destroyed. There were the cases shells and mist. Batteries had been once annihilated by eight rings. Every justice of soldiers were mentioned. The tone's batch was optimistic. The Martians had been repulsed. They were not invulnerable. They retreated to their triangle cylinders again, circle about Woking. Signals with heligraphs were pushing forward upon them from all sides. Guns with rapid transit from Windsor, Portsmouth, Aldershot, Woolwich, even from the north, amongst others, long wire guns of 95 tons from Woolwich. Altogether, 116 were in position, being hastily placed, chiefly covering London, never before in England. In such a vast or rapid concentration of military material. Any further cylinders that fell, it was hoped, could be destroyed at once by huge explosives, were being rapidly manufactured and distributed. No doubt ran 
the report the situation was of the strangest and gravest description. The public was exalted to the void and discouraged panic. No doubt the Martians were strange and terrible and extreme, but at the outside could not be more than twenty of them against our millions. For it is a reason to suppose from the size of cylinders that their outreach there could be not be more than five in each cylinder, fifteen altogether. One at least was disposed of, perhaps more the public would be fairly warned of the approach of danger. Elaborate measures. Elaborate measures were being taken for protection of people in the threatened southwestern suburbs. And so with reiteration, assurance of the safety of London, ability of authority to cope, difficulty, this quasi-proclamation closed. This was printed in enormous type on a paper, so fresh it was still wet. There had been no time to add a word or, co- or comment. Curious, my brother said, to see how ruthlessly the usual contents of the paper had been hacked and taken out to give this place. All down Wellington Street, people could be seen fluttering out pink sheets and reading. The strand was suddenly noisy, with the voices of an army of hawkers following these pioneers. Men came scrambling off buses to secure copies. Certainly there's news that studied people intensely over their previous apathy. The shutters of map shop in the strand were being taken down, my brother said. A man in his, his Sunday regiment, lemon yellow gloves, even with visible outside a window hastily fastening maps of Surrey to the glass. Going on along the strand to Trafalgar Square, the thick paper in his hand, brother saw some of the fugitives from West Surrey. There was a man with his wife and two boys with some articles, furniture and a cart, such as green coasters use. He was driving from the direction of Westminster Bridge. Close behind him came a hay wagon. Five or six respectable-looking people fit in it. Some boxes and bundles. Faces of these people were haggard. Their entire appearance contrasted, confusedly, the Sabbath best appearance people in omnibuses. Professional clothing peered at them out of cabs. They stopped at the square as if undecided which way to take and finally turned eastward along the strand. Some may... Behind these came a man, workday, man in workday clothes, riding one of those old-fashioned tricycles, a small front wheel, with dirty and white in face. My brother turned around towards Victoria, met a number of such people. He had a vague idea that he might see something of me. He knows an unusual number of police relegating the traffic. Some of the refugees were exchanging news. The people on the lumber buses, one of them was professing to see the marshes, Ballers on stilts, I tell you, striding among the like men. So most of them were sighted and emanated by their strange experience. Beyond Victoria, the public houses were doing a lively trade with his rivals at all the street corners. Groups of people reading papers, taking sightly or staring at these unusual Sunday visitors. It seemed to increase as the night drew on. As they seemed to increase as the night drew on, till at last the street rose. My brother said, "Were like Epsom High Street on Derby Day." Brother addressed several of these figuratives, got unsatisfactory answers for most. None of them could tell him any news of the Woking except one man, assured him that Woking had been totally destroyed on the previous night. Oh, came from Byfleet. He said, a man on a bicycle came through the place early morning, ran from door to door, warning us to come away. 
They came soldiers. He went out to look. There were clouds of smoke to the south. Nothing but smoke. And not a soul coming that way. We were the guns at Tresley. Folks coming from Weybridge. So I locked up my house and I came on. At that time there was no strong feeling streets that the forages were blamed for the incapacity to dispose invaders without all this inconvenience. About eight o'clock of the noise of heavy firing was distinctly audible all over the south of London. My brother could not hear it for the traffic in the main thoroughfares. My brother striking through the quiet back streets, the river is able to distinguish it quite plainly. He walked from Westminster to his apartments near Regent's Park about two. He now very he was now very anxious. My count disturbed the evident magnitude of the trouble. Mine inclined to run, even as mine had run on Saturday of military details. He thought that all those silent inspection guns were suddenly nomadic countryside. He tried to imagine boilers and stilts a hundred feet high. There were more one or two cartloads of few refugees passing along Oxford Street, several in the Mayberry Road. As so slowly was the news spreading, a Regent Street in Portland Place, full of their usual Saturday, Sunday night camaraders, I bet they talked in groups along the edge of the Regent Park. And there was a very many silent couples walking out together under their scattered gas lamps, as ever they had been. Night was warm and still, a little oppressive. The sound of guns continued intermittently, and after midnight it seemed to be sheet lightning itself. He read and reread the paper, fearing the worst had happened to me. He restless, and after supper prowled out about, again, out again aimlessly. He turned and tired in vain to divert his attention, his examination notes. He went to bed a little after midnight, wakened from lurid dreams and small hours of Monday, the sound of dawn knockers. Feet running in the street, distant drumming, a clamour of bells. Red reflections danced and seemed for a moment he lay astonished, wondering whether day had come or the world had gone mad. Then he jumped out of bed and ran to the window. His room was an attic. As he thrust his head down up and down the street, there were a dozen echoes of the noise of his window sash. Heads in every kind of night disarrayed appeared. Quarries were being shouted. They're coming, bawled a policeman, hammering, hammering at the door. The Martians are coming. And they hurried out to the next door. The sound of drumming and trumpeting came from all the street barracks. Every church within earshot was hard to work. Killing sleep, reverent disorderly trusting. There was noise of doors opening, window after window, houses opposite flashed from darkness to yellow illumination. Up the street came galloping a close carriage, bursting abruptly from to noise at a corner, rising up to a clattering climax under the window, and dying away slowly in distance. Close on the rear of this came a couple of cabs, forerunners, a long procession of flying vehicles, going for the next most part to Chalk Farm Station, where the northwestern special trains were loading up, instead of coming down the gradient into Euston. A long time my brother stared out the window with blank astonishment, watching a policeman hammering at the door after the door, delivering an incomprehensible message. A door behind him opened. A man who lodged against the landing came in dressed only in shirt, trousers and slippers, braces loose about his waist, his hair disordered from his pillow. 
What the devil is it? He asked. A fire? What the devil of a row? They both craned their necks, heads out the window, straining to hear what the policemen were shouting. People coming out of the side streets, standing in groups at the corners, talking. What the devil is this all about? said my brother's fellow lodger. My brother answered him vaguely, began to dress, running with each garment to the window in order to miss nothing of the growing excitement. The present men selling unnaturally early newspapers came brawling into the streets. London in danger suffocation. Kingston and Winchman prevents his false. Fearful massacres in Thames Valley. All about him. The rooms below and the houses on each side, across the road, behind the park trenches, in a hundred other streets in part of Melbourne, the Westbourne Park District and St Pancras, Westbourne and Northwood in Kilburn, and St John Wood and Hampstead. Eastwood and Soldridge and Highbury, Haggerstone, Hoxton, instead, all the vastness of London from Ealing to East Ham. People rubbing their eyes, opening their windows, stare out and uh, ask aimless questions. Dressing hastily, first breath of the coming storm of of fear brew through the blue through the streets. Dawn, the great panic, London, which had gone to bed on Sunday night, oblivious. Inert was awakened, small hours of Monday warning, to a vivid sense of danger. Able from his window to learn what was happening to my brother, went down and out into the street, just the sky be- behind, between the pulpits. The houses grew pink from the early dawn. People, flying people on foot, bicycle grew more numerous every moment. Black smoke, he heard people crying again. Black smoke. Caucasian, such an animus fear was inevitable. As my father hesitated on the doorstep, he saw another news vendor approaching, got paper forthwith. The man was running away from with the rest, and selling his newspapers for a shilling each as he ran, a grotesque mingling of profit and panic. And from this paper, my brother read a contrastic dispatch the commander in chief. The Martians are able to discharge enormous clouds of black and poisonous vapour by means of rockets. They smothered our batteries, destroyed Richmond, Kingston, Wollongbundon, advancing slowly towards London, drawing everything on their way. It's impossible to stop them. There is no safety from the black smoke, in, but in instant flight. That is all, but it is enough. The whole population of the great six million city was stirring, slipping, running, Presently he'll be pouring a mass northward. Black smoke, the voice is cried. Fire! The bells of the neighbouring church made a dringling tumult. A cart, scarcely driven, smashed amid shrieks and curses against the water troughs of the street. Sickly yellow lights went to and fro into houses. Some of the passing cabs flaunted unextinguished lamps. Overhead the dawn was growing brighter, clear and steady and calm. He heard footsteps running to and fro in the rooms up and down the stairs behind him. He landed and came to the door, loosely wrapped in dressing gown, and sure her husband followed, and ejaculating. As my brother began to realise the importance of these things, he turned hasty on of his own room. And put all his money, some ten pounds altogether, to pockets and went out again into the streets.